Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back live from Starburns Audio in beautiful, fancy downtown Burbank. This is the Cliff Dorfman Show. Hi, welcome back. Jason Smith here with me, my CEO intern. Second episode. We made it. Two episodes in. It's a real thing now. This is this is official. Yeah. Like the first one's a they call that a pilot. Now we got a pickup. Let's do this. It's not a hobby anymore, no. Mom. See? This I told is, you. This is business. Tell dad. I have a job. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of, I, I have to admit something to you. Yes, please. I need to, and I've been wanting to admit this to you since uh, we got done with the, the the Dane Cook interview two days ago. But okay. I was saving it. Tell me, I didn't realize you wrote Warrior. Oh, you did this to me on the air. You didn't realize I wrote it. No, I didn't know. Wow. Until didn't tell Dane brought it up. That's kind of cool though. So you gave me the deal without knowing I wrote Warrior. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I talked to you and we, I, I'd read read some stuff and I, I had read about some of your credentials, but that was not one of the things that I think either I skipped over it. I love it. Or or not. That's fucking cool. And I wanted to tell you that in person and let you know that because, you know, like I wanted to say it in front of uh, of Dane Cook, but at uh-huh. the same time, it was like trying to make it the Dane. I right. could have gushed over that for a long time, and I wanted to keep the attention you, on Jason. on the story, um, but. Thank you. I love that movie. Um, Thank you so and much. And I, I rewatched it over the weekend. Um, uh, and again, just there's there's like four big cries, and not all of them are just because somebody wins or loses a, a match. There's just four big tear portions of that. Um, That's fucking great. But I, I love that movie. And, and and another part of it is like my very favorite song in the whole world opens that movie. Um, I'm a big fan National. of the National, and I'm really fan of that that song. Like that's that's kind of my theme song. So like. Um, and I remember that about when I first watched the movie. I remember that again as soon as I, I heard it. And it, it, it just, I, I absolutely uh, adore that movie. Um, so I just wanted to let you know, great movie. Also, Thank I apologize you. for not doing my homework in advance. but I, I would rather have this, by the way. And I think, you know, just to let you know, with the National, I think it was Mark Isham is the, uh, it was the, uh, did the score and the composing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a show on, or did have a show, is it 89.9 on KCRW? Is okay. That, so, and I think it was with the National, or, you know, he's the one who put that in there. Mm-hmm. He had this, you know, vision for yeah. it that when you just see it, it's like nothing else could have gone there. But in, in writing it, it wasn't like, hey, this is going to be the National. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's where you get amazing people around yep. you. And, you know, Gavin O'Connor brings Mark in, and Mark is like, this is him, Gavin. You know, they're all such fucking, oh, was, you know, it, geniuses. It was great. Well, between all of you guys, you collaborated on something really, truly great. Um, I made Thank my you. I made my mom watch it. Um, I, well, Did she light in Sparks? Uh, she is actually in a place called Kingman, Arizona, which makes Sparks look like a very progressive metropolitan city. I've been there. It's by uh, the uh, Grand, Grand Canyon. Canyon yeah. yeah, so she works at the hospital there. That's the only hospital. Like, if you if you fall yeah, if you off, fall the, off the Grand Canyon, you got to get choppered to Kingman. Right? To Kingman. So I, yeah, she works I've there. I've been there, not to the um, hospital, but I've been to Kingman. It's also the place that Sasha Baron Cohen tried to put like played a character that was going to bring the world's biggest mosque into a city and. Um, <laughs> And uh, had all the all the townspeople freak the fuck out. It was really really funny. Um, That's fucking funny. Yeah. So yeah, he likes stirring up chaos. Oh yeah. So speaking of stirring up chaos, I, I think we have a disruptor that we have to get back to. Yes. And this is the incomparable, loving, beautiful. No, this is all. He's an amazing person. He's an we've already gone person. through this. You've heard him for the first part. If you're back here for the second part, there must be something you like or hate. Yeah. But I think like I, I, he. That's the other part that motivated me. He motivated me so much this weekend. Like I, you know, with a lot of stuff, just to ha- hearing him talk and his conversations on failure are and what he constitutes failure versus success is to me one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, like when he was I talking agree. in the first part about, you know, not going, you know, bombing up on stage isn't failure. Right. Right. Not going up on stage, not getting to the, not getting to where I want to be is is failure. That's 
Yeah, you're right on to the point. Such a better perspective, right? That's the exact thing that I thought was so mind-blowing, is that for other comedians, it may be not being up on stage, but it's the laugh and killing. That's where the juice comes. For Dan, you know, so if they bomb, they never got their juice. Dan being on stage got his juice, no matter what, whether he bombed or whether he was awesome. So the anything else was an extra. Yep. That to me was, you know, and that to me just, it, it set my whole weekend in a different place. I know, really, because it gives you the, the knowledge that you have the choice of what you allow your brain to tell your body to feel. Yep. So that being said, I think everyone should allow their brain to tell their body to feel fucking great because we are back with Dane Cook, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. Wait, hey, we're I back. got fucking questions here. I so, got answers. Okay, good. Well, not so, necessarily the right ones, but not necessarily. A version but of we it. are at the cellar. This is a big moment. Yeah. You get the laughs. Yep. So what happens now? So now, does this start a new trajectory for well, you? Well, I was fortunate what? because Esty, um, who was just a blessing, who was running the whole show, you know, said to me, uh, "You come back, you know." And and once you get the the nod from the people in and around New York, and they they like you. Um, you know, Caroline at Caroline's and um, and Lucian Holt, who was at uh, um, the comic strip. You know, these people mm-hmm. were, they brought me in and they allowed me to come back and work on my craft. Uh, if they didn't do that, then I don't know if I would be sitting here. It would be a very different path. But I was fortunate to work with the best of the best now in Boston and in New York, who was on those shows. David Tell was already crushing it at those shows. Yeah. Who was I working with at 19? I was working with a uh, a 16 year old, 15, 16 year old kid named Dave Chappelle, who was already coming in and already the best comic I'd ever seen in my life. And I already knew he was one of the best comics I would ever see in my life. And he was only 16 or 17. And you guys had a whole thing with the record beating. You know, oh, you that was like come on four no, 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 hours no, no, no. on stage. I mean, that was is that, that was real? nothing. That was literally like the internet making something out of nothing. But how it, is that nothing? Did you do four hours of fucking performance? We both we both we were both doing like these really long form crazy, yeah, you know, just ego driven fucking comedy sets. And so he would do five hours, and then one night I did six hours, and it wasn't a competition because I swear I know that Dave wasn't looking or thinking about me, and I wasn't <laughs> looking or thinking about Dave. We were just both just doing our you know doing whatever we we're doing, but. At one club, we did have a a record thing going back and forth. But other than that, it was just years of working with Dave as we were young kids and and seeing somebody who has already fig- well already had so much figured out very early on in his career. And I was learning a lot from just even watching him and his approach. And no one knew him other than people in the comedy circle at this point. But they did because he was already kind of a phenom even at a young age. It was like he just had a – listen, man, some people just have that reputation out of the gate as being um, – you know, part of the ar- architecture of stand-up. You know, we talk about Carlin, when you talk about Pryor, when you talk about Lenny Bruce, yep. when you talk about uh, Joan Rivers, Chris when you Rock, talk about... Eddie Murphy found him Chris, in Valley Parking, right? Chris Rock is certainly there. Um, and, and Dave Chappelle is uh, in that conversation. He's one of the pillars. Uh, listen, uh, agreed across the board. So you're now... That night you do that, Esty, and this is what Pete Holmes touched upon in Crashing, right? Yep. Which was Esty saying yay sure. or nay, right? And she says yay. After your set. Yes. And so, do you remember that? You go to the table? Is it a thing? Like, do you get beckoned over? Um, it was just like going home that or going back to my place that night and then realizing, oh, I can stay in New York for a couple of days and I can actually, huh. you know, uh, do more spots with these great comics. That did I, she say to you, you're okay, you can come back? Yeah, she gave me the, you know, right right out of there. Whatever the system was at that time, it was either call me or call the club or I had a phone number. I could call it and I was getting, uh, within a weekend, I was already getting six spots a weekend at the Comedy <sighs> Cellar. Three shows a night, and I was on all three. And I would run back around the city, and on average, on a weekend for several years, I would do eight 
to 11 spots on any given night. So this would be the equivalent, really, of what people used to say about an actor doing a soap opera early in their career because all they're doing is acting and acting and acting all day, every day, 18 pages, 20 pages yeah. a day. You know, it doesn't, unfortunately, happen as much. They get off a soap opera and they end up being huge movie stars. But this feels like a training ground, like with totally. the best, an all-star camp. Oh, like more than I even realized mm -hmm. until years later looking back. It was it was this kind of boot camp that was just a pressure cooker of very talented people because the people that weren't very talented, they were very quickly like, you're not going to go up here. You're not delivering. Right. You're not right for this spot. So you're only working with great comics or having a moment of greatness or about to reach a moment of greatness. Mm. And they're great writers or performers or, or improv artists. And we're all just kind of like churning at that same high school drama class all over again. Everything, but a different level, but even a different, more ideal because now you're learning from comics that are very different from you and you're bringing something very different from them and you have to follow each other and you have to make a show work with each other. Yet we're so vastly different, uh, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, color wise, belief, co comedy style so different and we're going to make the same exact people laugh over the course of two hours yep. that's very interesting i actually don't know that i've heard that you know the idea of how comedy gets seen you know uh, threaded together if you go to you know the laugh factory or the comedy store or wherever i've never once thought about the fact that all you comics know each other and as you're getting introduced on stage you're actually thinking about their act and how to seamlessly move your energy from their act into your act well, you have and to. the next act. You don't, you don't want to so like think so much about it because that will also pull you out. Or It's very easy to start going, well, they like that, so are they going to like me? Mm. Versus understanding and owning that, okay, this person goes up before me. They light the place on fire. They're absolutely amazing. And I need to be able to go up and step into that energy and, and do two things. Have the humility to, to, to understand we just saw something great here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ignore that fact. Maybe when you're earlier in your career, young guy right. or girl, your own cocksureness, you're like, been there. No, that's not the right way to do it. You, you embrace their energy. You accept that that was great, that somebody provided an unbelievable moment in their you know, comedy performancing shared it with you. Right. And then you want to be able to stand in that energy and then be equal to it by letting them know I'm at the helm now. I got it. Now you're on the journey with me. And it's very, very easy. And it's a quick slip to get into your head and allow yourself to start thinking less of yourself. And then you're okay, but you're not as great as who was there before you. So it's, it's uh, surfing mm -hmm. and everybody's in that pipeline and yeah. we're all hoping to stay in there for the rest of the show. That's, yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. So now you have Manhattan open to you. Sure. Okay. Boston, New England, and now the the Mecca, New York, is saying, this come is on 96? over. This is 96? This is like 94 to 96. Good. Yeah. All right. And you're, you know, 20s. I'm in my early 20s. Right. I'm making a few. Uh, by the way, very cool thing was that comedy paid you cash. So you would do all these sets and you get the cash. You'd sign off the waiver at the end of the night and cash, cash, cash. And then I remember the first, you know, I was an Arlington kid, a welfare kid, you know, in the system. Uh, you know, you were in the system. Food stamps. Yeah. yeah, yeah government yeah. cheese. Yeah. My mom was housekeeping with rheumatoid arthritis, just trying to, you know, make ends meet. Uh, free lunch tickets. Humiliating. Tough. Fuck. You know, mom and dad separated, made it even tougher. Did you ever eat Heroes instead I of Cheerios? Fucking pro that would have been like a steak dinner for me if I could. <laughs> right. I think I was eating like uh, the dust of a Fritos bag for. Um, <laughs> but but getting back to my yes. little crazy apartment and and throwing down like, okay, what? I just made fifteen hundred dollars telling jokes, telling oh. stories. I, out of my brain, I just 
paid my rent and I'm going to get a hamburger or a couple of fucking burgers or I could take a girl out that and buy her legal. some licorice or yeah. whatever. And <laughs> I mean, that's creepy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> licorice, really? And, and No, you go to the movies, right? You get the, the girls okay, who always like the red Don't normal now. It was it already weird. Let's just keep it weird. And so there it was. It was like, okay, now I'm doing what I love. I'm around what I think are early craftsmen in it. I'm yes. trying to... I'm trying to uh, think of myself in, in that uh, in those terms I, I, I want to be one of the best at this I, I wasn't certainly doing it to be um, mediocre or halfway I, I got into it because I wanted to be one of the best stand-up comedians of all time I literally was like I know that if I can work on this I may not be in the conversations of the biggest or the, the greatest but I know I can carve out a audience for myself that will think that of me yes. right. that's what I was going to find and did you visualize that always and did you visualize Madison Square Garden I did I walk by it many a nights, and I would uh, look at it, and I would see your I, name on I'd it. I'd say, I'd say, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. I'd say, don't go anywhere. Don't you fucking close. I'd say it out loud. I'd really? Go, don't you fucking. Ooh, if you close, I'll be pissed. You stay here. Would you see the show when your mind yes. when you were laying in bed? You know what I mean? Like, I would, would you? I would see it. My my whole thing was I'd lay in bed, my foot would be shaking back and forth, and I'd already be running the set. And, and going through the material, very, very quick, funny, fast-forward story is many years later, mm-hmm. uh, five years ago, I got to know Jerry Lewis. Uh, he became my mentor, actually. Wow. At 87, he became uh, just an unbelievable resource in my life and a, a dear friend. Wow. And uh, Jerry called me one time. He Pretty much weekly, he'd call me, hello, hello, my boy, it's the Jew in the desert, I'm calling to... And we'd get in, we'd talk shop like this. Mm. And... He brought up Madison Square Garden. He'd watched uh, Rough Around the Edges, and he went over like almost my whole. He'd memorized. He knew my whole set. He knew the physicality. He's eighty-seven of, years old. Yes, wow. and he talked to me about not only my set, but he 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 was talking to me about it like he had done it, and he was standing there because he knew the physicality that also went with the the verbiage, mm-hmm. which blew me away. I remember like being on the call like I, he, I don't believe he knows everything that he's saying but I know he's telling me. Right. And it was this thing of I visualized it. I visualized it thinking of uh, Jerry Lewis, uh, uh, Steve Martin and I think Dice because I knew they were they did the biggest things in the world. Right. And so I would visualize it and I would visualize visualize standing on stage with them for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, like we were all together like doing a show together. Mm-hmm. And now I would be on a call with him re- recalling and sharing with me his favorite moments and saying to me, oh, if I was with you at that moment, I would have done this. I would have grabbed your hand and I would have played the fake flute and you would have done the drum. And can you imagine? I'm on the f- I'm on the phone with my hero. Yeah. And he's playing Make Believe with you. <laughs> he's playing Make Believe. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm in it. I'm yeah. like, Jerry, yeah, that would be so funny because then you could... And I'm doing the same thing that brought me here, but based on something you created, from, right? From nothing, just, just, just atoms from just floating, free from floating. From maybe thinking to myself, that might be funny. That's where it How starts. How close was it though? Once you're on stage yeah. at Madison Square Garden, yep. and it's happening. How close did you have a moment on stage where you thought about your visualization and said, "This is it. It's happening." I don't believe I did. Mm-hmm. I think that once I was locked in, I was locked in. I remember walking down the hallway before going on stage and seeing um, the pictures of Zeppelin and Elton John and uh, Bob Hope. So fucking. And cool. I remember walking down that hallway and just thinking to myself, um, "I'm putting my picture up on this wall tonight. I'm going to give the best performance that I've ever given right now tonight." And I did. I gave one of the greatest comedy performances 
that I could ever give in my entire life. Is your picture up there? My picture is there. I don't know if it's in that hall. I hope. <laughs> I haven't gone back to check. Cool. <laughs> Wouldn't it be That's funny if like a month later cool. I walked down the hall, excuse me, I'm just <laughs> looking for the, the photo I promised myself. Yeah. Yeah, don't mind me. I know it's not my day. I just... <laughs> But all these They people. just run and put one up real quick over fucking <laughs> Richard Pryor's face. Oh no, I didn't say that. Dan's trying to get a hurry up. Hurry up, get Dan's it set. <laughs> but wait, when you did Louie, was that not at Madison Square Garden, the backstage? Where no, he had to that come was just to you and grovel set. for the tickets? That was in a set we shot. No, that. I know, but wasn't it supposed to be somewhere oh, yes. huge? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. For the sake of the scene. Yes, yes, for the sake of the scene, was it the garden? Yes. I, I feel believe like it, it was, was, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. almost positive it was. Which yep. again, all right. Anyway. <laughs> I so many so, nights yes. I would walk by Madison Square Garden and I'd dream it and I'd, uh, you know, just, I would uh, put it out there, try to make it come to fruition. But I knew that was only going to ever happen if I found fans. And at that point, I still did not know how I was going to, how do I find fans? I'm doing well night after night in New York, mm-hmm. but it would take a million years to find a full fan base in a, the Comedy Cellar or one of these places. Well, how was everybody else doing it at that time? Well, they were getting either on Saturday Night Live or they were having a, I don't know, maybe Johnny Carson was still having breakthrough moments where you became Seinfeld mm-hmm. or Roseanne or whatever. Tonight but show moment. Yeah, yeah. but I, I there really wasn't, you got to realize, the 90s was a horrible, horrible decade for stand-up comedy. It was actually, the death knell was the end of the 80s, <laughs> and when I started in, in 90, I was already being told by some of these great comics that I was around, uh, literally, welcome to the show, kid, it's fucking over. Oh, wow. Yeah, we already peaked. Yeah, the sitcom deals are gone, it's, all it that was, stuff's uh, out the window. It, it was already bonkers, and it, it had already become oversaturated, and then Comedy Central over oversaturated by putting a lot of uh, lackluster comedians on and sharing them with America to where you go, this guy's hilarious. Maybe he was or she was for five minutes. Then you'd go see that person at a club. You'd be pissed that you waste your hard-earned dollar. Nobody's going to stand up anymore because Comedy Central is putting all these middle-of-the-fucking-roaders on. And I was in for a decade of, um, again, wouldn't change it now because it actually was good. I was figuring it out without too many eyes on me. But for comedy and comics at that moment, it was horrible, wretched, a wretched decade for stand-up comedy. So you're going through the 90s in this wretched decade. (laughs) Yes. And it's funny because the second that wretched... Is that a Stone Temple Pilots album, by the way? (laughs) Wretched decade? (laughs) What was the other one? one Failure? puts Scott Stapp over the line we have so we're gonna go back through this podcast and pull like nine quotable quotes yes by the way that's happening what the fuck was i just gonna say you oh. were saying through the 90s how it was just yeah Thank driving around in my used chevy cavalier in this wretched, wretched decade, decade. Of, yeah and then it ends and li- literally 2000 you get your hbo special Right? No, no, that was. Uh, Isn't, am I wrong? No, it was. Uh, I think well, I, I wouldn't say you're you. wrong, but but you're not right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the nice way to tell the person hosting the show that they're wrong without saying? Let me go assertive. You're yeah. fucking yeah. so off base. Just tell yeah. me what the fuck happened. No, that was like I'm close. That was, was mid uh, O's. That was going to be around 2005 that oh, I would okay. finally film that. Um, but what was happening from 2000 to 2004 was mm-hmm. um, the internet and me finally finding this. Uh, electronic handshake where I could meet people that weren't just at the club or in the community, but somebody who was a hundred miles away who I could correspond with and build some trust with that uh, maybe they'll come see my show when I roll through town. Right. So it was years of working on the social media element in a brand new time where nobody was really doing that. Right. And and everybody kind of knows this about you. So, so this is a thing where it's like, do you blame yourself for your stalker now? 
because you're just too friendly. <laughs> like, you're you're just too friendly to the internet people. Oh, this is great for my therapist. Yeah. Maybe I should ask him. Yeah, and this is somehow you projected this. You Are you victim blaming right now? Yes, I'm totally victim blaming Dane. Okay, so but you're first. Did you? Please tell me. I thought you did a comedy special, a Comedy Central special. I did. I did a half yes. hour. Uh, half three hour. things happened right in early 2000s. I did um, Comedy Central did their half hour comedy hour, which they had filmed um, maybe like 12 or 14 that season. They asked me to be a part of it. So I filmed that. Uh, MySpace had really kind of become a thing. And Napster was starting to take off. Napster. So I would take the clips that were on the special. I would get on the thing called MySpace. I would send out the link to the Napster, and I was triangulating. Keep in mind, uh, I'm still kind of an introvert. I still am not out there partying and wasting the evening after stand-up. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I've never in 47 years done any imbibed in any of those things. Hmm. So what am I doing? I'm home typing like you very hard <laughs> on the keyboard. Where it comes and, from, uh, no keyboards. And I'm <laughs> building up my fan base, and I'm treating it, what I think I called it was like my uh, electric political platform which i knew i was just kissing babies and shaking hands with every single person my dad said something when i was in high school that always stayed with me he said nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd if you can get the crowd you'll attract the crowd so i was like how do i get that first crowd to attract the bigger crowd Hmm. and that was the internet and it came to you from that it helped it certainly was like you know the things that i was starting to learn from my dad after years of anger and frustration and really getting to know him and love him and becoming like a father-son relationship should be Mm -hmm. um i was finally starting to allow his his uh information that was great even some of his failures were helping me to succeed because we could finally break them down Mm -hmm. and so i implemented all those things into the internet stuff i got your 2003 and 2005 album off Napster, and I think they probably are still in my phone. Uh, but I did steal them from there. And okay, I, I probably posted them. <laughs> yeah, so. probably did. Okay, you, good. You, then I feel we, less we owe bad. each other nothing. Uh, <laughs> by the way, yeah. they're in here. So. And, and by the way, it's people from time to time say, "Oh, I, I downloaded it uh, illegally," and I say, "You know, you got to realize something. The profit was exposure, right?" And I, so that was all I want. If I made money, mm-hmm. oh my God, are you kidding me? I just needed the $10 for a burger. I was a poor kid from Arlington. Right. Everything additional was like, I don't need a million bucks, but I'll take it. Yep. Yeah. The profit was exposure. And so for me, you having that and then sharing it with 10 people in a mm-hmm. dorm room or wherever yep. you were. Yep. We gold. watched uh, we watched that special mm. over and over and over in college. Yeah. Like over and over. But it's true. Uh, you know, you go to make your first film, you expect to make nothing. It's about what your deal is going to be after that happens. Right. You know, it's not about, exactly. you know, making all the money on paranormal activity because I guarantee you the Oren guy probably didn't make all that money. You know, uh, Blumhouse did. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's like and someone is going to make it and it's sure. not going to be you. But the next time you're going to make a whole shitload yep. of money now, what are you going to do with it? Right. So, so wait, let's get there because now you are really... You know, that's it. You're a stand-up. Well, it's 2001, and so now we've got all this stuff happening we just talked about. Coupled with, I had a album called uh, Harmful of Swallowed, which I'd recorded at the Houston Laugh Stop on their DAT recorder. I edited it myself. I opened up my own fulfillment center. I shipped it and sold it out of my fucking... How did you know how to do that? I, I just... Whatever the early version of Google was, I was looking it up, and I learned how to do all that stuff on my own. See, that's I wasted a lot of time. And so, <laughs> and so I was shipping them out or signing them or selling them at gigs, you know, a little after the show. Um, and after two years of doing that, all those things collectively led to Comedy Central giving me a record uh, deal. Mm-hmm. And the first record that I then re-released was Harmful of Swallowed. And right. so that's circulating. The, the special, the half-hour special, that's circulating. Napster circulating. 
MySpace circulating, and I knew if I want to make some more bang for my buck and maybe actually be able to have an S egg, it's my follow-up album that I'm going to have to really make fucking bigger and better than this moment. I didn't know if this moment would... I thought, like, I'm having a moment. I'd seen moments. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is going to end. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. It, it ends. <laughs> right. Everybody's moment ends. The, the fact of the matter is you have to be realistic enough to know that like okay this is like i'm in the pipe dream but the pipe dream is also uh endable and i knew that if i wanted to have uh longevity then it's really the follow-up where people start looking like buddy but is it real right you hit a home run and they go okay but he hit can he hit a grand slam and so that's where i was 2000 to 2005 that was setting up for retaliation and then vicious circle which was Mm -hmm. the hbo special right and then Everything changes. <laughs> yeah. Everything S- changes. Uh, so, like 16 years to become an overnight sensation okay, kind so of thing. Let's just take a moment. When did you... So normally what I would ask, if you were a regular actor, I would say, do you remember the phone call when you know that part changed your life? Right. But you have so many of those. I'm going to ask you, do you remember the moment where you were going from, let's say, 2000 to 2006? Oh, I, know where, I know where you're going. Yeah, I know the go phone ahead. call. Interrupt. I know the phone call. I was... Um, Retaliation was about to come out, and we were trying to build up like PR for it, and nobody really cared. We weren't getting, you know, Rolling Stone. Nobody was calling us back, and nobody Who's we? was uh, like me and my manager at the time, and my uh, PR person at the time, my attorney, who is still my attorney to this day. Nice. We all were on this little call, and just like, how can we bolster this? How can we, you know, we've already done so much. Dane's done so much with the internet, but like, how can we make this national, you know? National news, mainstream television, as opposed to just this underground, cool internet shit. And so we reached out to Lauren Michaels at Saturday Night Live, and uh, and we all got on a call. And and, and very long story short, was like, I you know, I would love to come in and host. And he was like, No, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And I said, But you used to have George, you know, uh, George Carlin come on and Pryor, and it's like, you know, I'm having this moment, and you should let me bring my fans onto the show. And he he said no. (laughs) And then retaliation came out. I'll never forget all the no's that we got from every magazine, from Spin to Rolling Stone. Nobody. Nobody was interested in any story about the next generation of comedian and me being at the tip of that. The next generation of all things stand-up. Mm-hmm. I knew I was starting to like peel that door open. Mm-hmm. And Retaliation came out, hit number four on the Billboard charts. First one since Steve Martin had done it, hit number four in 30 years. And Lauren Michaels called me. I was in a hotel room in Vegas, mm. down there for the Vegas Comedy Festival. Which hotel? I picked up my phone. Which hotel? I was at the um, Bellagio Hotel. Ooh, was it a nice room, like a suite? It was a good room. Okay. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I picked up the phone, and he, it was him. And I said, hey, Lauren. And he goes, you're hosting the show. Okay. Just like, I mean. And that was it. Okay. I, I knew right there. I said, I'm on for, and now I'm in for the rock. My moment just expanded, wow. and it's becoming a, a, a bigger moment. I'm going to just try to keep that longevity thing going. I'm just, I'm going to interrupt because it's just so fucking fascinating. And I, everyone is listening and just realize this. You're in a hotel suite at the Bellagio. You are already a hugely successful stand-up. And there's still a phone call that can come in that's going to change your life to a next level. It's basically going to say, hey, you, keep, you can keep playing. This quarter you put into the game, it's like you're getting extra credits right now. I mean, did that, and how how long did you have from I, that phone call to- I was to, emotional in that, right? mo- I, I, I was- I would have cried. I, I was say, I, cried. I was literally emotional, um, because you got to remember, you know, telling Al at the back of the drama hall, I want to be on Saturday Night Live, yeah. and him saying, me too. Yeah. And now I was hearing from the boss himself, 
um, you're going to do it and you're going to do stand-up in the opening monologue, something that hadn't been done also in 20-plus years. And so hung up the phone, um, called my mom. Just so reveled, that was your first call? Yeah. It was to your mom? Reveled in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mom was, she was the only person I wanted to talk to. Reveled in it. Uh, you know, jumped around, danced around, basically did my act in my fucking <laughs> in my hotel room. But but you know, it's interesting. It's be, it's what's so funny and where I think like for my for my journey and 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 uh, how I weirdly like process um, good moments in my life is I I I tend to accept this thing that's happening, but almost immediately I find myself going. How can I grow from this and become a different person from it? I don't want to be the same person that is being identified in this moment of success. Mm. I don't want to stay as this. And I've always done that. The moment you say you got it, I'm looking for a way to not um, be uh, derivative of it for more moolah. And I don't want that. Right. You want to adjust it. I want to change, grow, evolve. Even fail would feel better as long as I'm not trying to do the same thing that I just heard yes on again. Mm-hmm. And, and to probably do it to a bit of a detriment. I, I want to change and do something new so quickly. Right. Like take a minute, make, you know, make a little money off this brand. You know, it's like, I had nope. to learn that. Sit in it for a sec. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because there is something to be said for that. And I think that you do see it, especially as you get older, whatever your totally. medium is. It's like, that's what I do. You know, right, and you can do other stuff, but you know your tools and where your strengths really are. And but what you at get that hired moment, for. I was still going because when I did the first Comedy Central special, right. the one that that uh, with the the black tank top, <laughs> the next day, I I was with my mom, and uh, how did it go? And this and that. Because that's a big move, though the black ta- the black tank top. Her idea. I mean, it's my a big mom's move, idea. though. Yeah, she called me. She was like, "I go, I don't want to wear this bowling shirt. They want me to wear." They had they picked up my outfit, and she goes. Fuck them. She goes, fuck them and fuck whatever com, the com central is. And I said, mom, but they're the boss. They're, and she goes, she goes, you should wear one of those tank tops. And I go, on stage? And she goes, she goes, yeah, because people need to see your movements and your arms. And the, so it was my mom's idea. Huh. And I said, well, Steve Martin wore a white suit and Rich Pryor wore the red suit and Dice wears the leather. I yep. wear a fucking tank top on stage, and I did. So fuck everybody. It was the right idea. No, it's a big fucking move. And so, so from there to but now, right. the next day, okay, I, I sit with my mom, and I'm like, I did it, and I wore the tank top, and they were pissed at me, and they got mad, and I remember there was a big argument about it, but hmm. I did it anyway. They're probably never going to air it now, but I did it. I, I felt great. And then she said, so what's next? And I said to my mom the next day, I go, I'm never wearing a tank top on stage again. And I'm never, ever doing what I did on that show that way again. I might still be physical. I love physical comedy and commitment. But I was already looking to not be that. I didn't want to be the Johnny Bravo jacket guy where it's like, <laughs> I pour the water and I have a tank See, top. It's like, no, I'm going to probably be fat in about collar. 20 years. I want to fucking be able to age. I want to be. I want to get older. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to have to be this thing. Right. And so it was almost immediately that I was implementing... As I change as a person, my act changes. I mean, so did you say to yourself, okay, now you're going... First of all, I don't think you answered the question. When Lauren calls you, how long do you have from then to you have to be in New York to start your week of insanity? Oh, yeah, a couple of months. A couple of months. I think they'd like... Yeah, they'd put me into the... It was the end of the first season, Mm -hmm. and then... Based on that, those ratings, I'd open the next season. I think I'm the only person to do basically two, two back seasons to back in a row. Yeah, shows. back to back. Right. Yeah, pretty much like end of the season, then st- like two weekends in a row, uh, I hosted it. It's it's, I mean, okay, so <laughs> so two months of prep. 
two months of prep, and yep. that whole time, are you thinking now, okay, the same way you were about the black tank top. I have to do something different. I want to, or are they saying to you, you have to do it from your act. We want this as the opening. He did, he did say, I want you to do stand-up. And uh, that wasn't even a discussion. I wasn't going to be able to do a song or a skit. He was, <laughs> he was he was like, I want you to do stand up. And I was like, so I worked. I stayed in New York and worked on the opening monologue um, before I did the show for two months. In and around two months, I was still traveling, doing stand up, but preparing <sighs> the amazing. ten minutes for the SNL opening. And standing backstage behind the the glass, and the band is playing that uh, iconic SNL theme. And I'm back there in the dark. One, one producer's got the cans Studio on. A-H. And I can hear that through the cans. I can hear Don Pardo, who is still there, go, it's Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and I can hear that, not loud, but through her headphones. And he's going through the cast name. And it just fucking hit me. I'm like, I'm about to walk through the door on Saturday night. I'm here. I'm walking to this mark. It, not even a rehearsal did it make sense to me. But in this moment, with her going, five, four, three, and then she goes, two, and then gets quiet, and then the door opens, and I hear that, the sax, playing that last- Is that what you heard? Dude, and I'm like, I'm I'm 10 years old, watching the show in my mind, going, I'm here. So, fuck. And I hit my mark, and I, I took it all in. I, I can watch that, and there's a beat where I'm like, I'm like, really in it. I'm like a little kid, I'm like- and then it just became professional, and I went into the set. <sighs> wow! Yeah. I mean, and then you have all now you have your improv background. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're basically prepared your whole life for this. Sure. Okay. So uh, was Al anywhere around? Al was not there. Was he the second time? Was he able to be? There? Uh, man, I don't know if he was there the second time. My dad was there the second oh, time. Oh, how was that? I heard him laugh in the audience at a certain point. He had a very distinct laugh. Uh, How'd that feel? I almost broke down. I was in the middle of a skit, and whatever I did made my dad laugh, and I could hear li- on live television my dad's laugh, and that was, um, I mean, talk about like the things you really remember was right. like I made my right. dad laugh really hard. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. but that's what it comes yeah. down to at heard, the end of the day. Oh, oh, <laughs> like this deep, guttural Santa laugh my dad had, and it was just awesome. Yeah, for me, the best thing about Warrior is my kid. I took him to see it at the movies. Can we talk about how fucking great Warrior is, or oh, have you so already good. done that a myriad of no, times? No, no, I here? haven't. But uh, this is about you. We have a segment in the show where <laughs> for fifteen this minutes, and talk about you. He talks and why about we're not Warrior. working on a movie Every together. Segment. Yeah, there's a let's talk about how great Warrior is segment of the show. All right, by the way, I, oh, I, I'm it's starting that. So good, it dude. So Dane good. was Dane. Dane and I. Dane was my date. For the premiere, it was fucking, fucking good. so good. Man. Or I was Dane. It Dane, is so good. Dane was very famous. We were each other's. Yes, Dane we were each other's. Dane. Okay, that's great. I like that. That's very. We equal. were the bell of the ball that I, night. We really I felt were. like I was on the arm of a real hero. It was <laughs> Dane Cook, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, but the reason that I brought that up, I've had people tell me what have you. But the moment for worry when we talk about everything of these big moments boiling down to one thing, really, where you're like that. I remember. Yeah. I took my kid to see it. Hmm. At the movies, he stopped at the poster, and I have a story by credit and a screenplay credit. And he's like, "Oh, Dad, you got extra credit." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, that's fucking cool." Wow! <laughs> like, and that's the moment that really said, like, my kid was very impressed oh. with me. And that was, you know, that was it. I was like, "All right, I'm good." Yeah, Dylan, and it'll probably never happen again. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it does boil down to these little moments, mostly familial or your best friends. Yeah, and no matter how big the event is, so you do Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it ends. 
You do it again, it ends. Now now it's over, right? So now you're left with yourself. Right. And uh, what do you mean? Like after the second? The second time. So you had a few months in between. Right. And now Saturday, you've done it twice. I've I mean, done it twice. Right. Yep. How I'm much still, higher can you the... be, though? Well, I mean, obviously the HBO special. That was like going to be, for me, I think that uh, growing up watching Carlin do so many HBO specials, yeah. I think I thought the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate of anything was... That HBO special. I think I felt like that was going to be the vel- well. I no, I can say without a doubt that when Chris Albrecht called me, he was at the head of HBO at the time, uh, and said, "You know, I'm giving you an HBO special, and I want you to do this." I remember in that very moment, actually, finally feeling like, "Man, I I made it. This is this HBO, man. This is at the time. It's kind of weird because now you know Netflix and, yeah. and Amazon. There's a lot of places where comedy is is uh, it's a different world. prolific. Yes, but at that moment." That was like the Johnny Carson of Tonight Show made you this. If you got an HBO special during that era, that was like the the you know the um, christening. That was the the yeah, sword was, on your shoulder. It was getting asked to sit on the couch at, at yeah. the Tonight Show. And so that's when I I was like, oh man, I I have. But interestingly, I was like, I'm going to do an HBO special, and yet I knew that I wasn't. I knew I had certain abilities that mm-hmm. I was great at, but I still was like, I have so much to fucking learn still. I, I'm i doing this, and I, I think I've accomplished this, but I still knew I was lacking in so many areas in comedy. And probably because I was lacking in so many areas in my life, and that couldn't be reflected in my art because I wasn't being honest and real with myself in life. So I had corridors that I hadn't gone down in stand-up because I hadn't gone down them in my life. Hmm. And so... What I had, I knew I could do very well, and I was going to make a great HBO special based on those few things that I had on my utility belt. Right, and that's what we started off talking about, which is this idea of, you know, you have these, you start to get to realize, okay, so I'm going to do this well, and I'm going to go do it, and then, and that's the thing, now you do it. Now it's over. And again, I'm talking from a creative side, yeah, that postpartum depression, Yeah, the idea that like I have now, so now from starting, being born in Cambridge, being born, right? all your sisters, your brother, your mom, your dad, no forts being built, everything to this fucking moment, right? Yeah. In 2006, your fucking HBO special airs, it airs. Right. Well, I finished, yeah, finished it in in 05 or Mm -hmm. 06 and it aired that year. Yeah. First of all, did you watch it in LA or New York? The next morning, mm-hmm. I got on a plane. My mom was um, dying of cancer. My mom couldn't wow. make it to the show. It was the first show my mom couldn't go to. Was my uh, was my HBO special? Was the Boston Garden show? And I I begged Marty Culner, who directed it. By the way, Marty Marty Culner had directed Carlin's In the Round in 1978, and that's my favorite comedy special. And I reached out to Marty and said, "Will you?" direct my special in the round at Boston Garden and he agreed wow. so I'm working with a hero who worked with a he- my hero and a hero uh. I asked him I said if I protect it with my life can I bring the rough cut to show my mom she's very ill he gave me a rough cut of it and I took it down I showed my mom sat in bed with her watched it was amazing it was a beautiful moment shared this deeply emotional moment with my mom that uh, I'll carry with me forever um, in my worst moments and I've had a bunch I just think about what it was like to see her feeling so um, alive. Like uh, life came into her oh, yeah. as you were laying Like, like her this? immune system was like, you know what, cancer? Huh. Not today. That's like awesome. her immune system fucking rallied and was like, she's going to have an, a, an amazing day today. And showed her the special and knew right there that, um, if I'm being very honest, I knew that I was hitting this moment, I, that I'd hit an echelon 
a crest that I also knew was probably about to end because I'd been on top for a long moment and, and, and I was going to have a nice burst off this, but I could see the force of the trees and I kind of knew I was in for the spanking machine part of Hollywood mm-hmm. very soon. Okay. Support for the Cliff Dorfman show comes from Manscaped, who I have to say is the best in men's, you know, below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Here's the thing. I have been landscaping or manscaping myself for uh, decades. I have. I am so ahead of the curve on this. Yet the problem was I'm using lady razors. I have to, you know, I've tried electric razors. There's never, ever, ever been a time where I have not nicked or cut my balls. And guys, guys, you know what it feels like when you cut your balls. It is not. It is not fun. So listen, it's 2020. All right. You know what it means. It's a new year, new you, new balls. Guys, listen up. Hairy, you know, nether regions, they're just so 2019. Seriously, here's the thing. If you expect women to do all this work and go through all this pain, you know, you have to return the favor. Here's the thing. If you're going to pick any new, any, any, here's the thing. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be. And and I don't even want to call it a resolution. I'm going to call it a conviction. Pick a New Year's conviction and let that conviction be to take care of your balls. Take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it. They they make it so easy. This by far is the best product. The reason I said I've never, ever had a product where I haven't nicked my balls and how bad it is. And I say this because with Manscaped, I have never once nicked my balls. This is this is the perfect product. It is so good. Okay, I got two. I got another replacement blade because it gets the hair at my neck where I can't get it with the shaving. It is unbelievable. It doesn't cut. And that's why Manscaped also redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0, it's got this proprietary skin safe technology. So this thing, I'm telling you, this trimmer doesn't snick, snag your nuts, nothing. I, I am not exaggerating in any way. I have the smoothest balls west of the Rio Grande. And that is what I'm saying. Manscaping accidents, they don't happen anymore. You get this thing, and it's not, it's not even expensive. You get it, you get a replacement blade, you're never going to nick your balls again in your life. And, and, dude, don't use the same blade on your face that you're using on your balls. They get a replacement blade. They make them. They're very cheap. They're very affordable. It's not a problem. They're good quality. And they also have the crop preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, which, you know, it makes perfect sense. We're, We're putting deodorant on our armpits. Why are we not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of our body? You know, our balls. Seriously. And by the way, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CLIFF, C-L-I-F-F, CLIFF, at manscaped.com. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CLIFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CLIFF. I'm telling you, this is the best thing that has ever been invented. And especially, guys, this is the other thing I'm going to say. If you're getting older, you don't want to look like Santa Claus down there. You, you want to look proper. Make yourself, you're going to take 20 years off your sex life. Get this thing. I don't know if you haven't gotten it. If I'm the first person telling you about this thing, then consider me your new best friend. 
Manscaped. 20% off and free shipping with the code Cliff at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code Cliff. Larry Charles told me once that, you know, you build up, like with Seinfeld, I was talking about Seinfeld, he said you build up a certain amount of good faith and then you can use it how you see fit, but it will end. Sure. And if you do something stupid when the good faith is out, you're going to be fucking crucified. Right. And I always found that very interesting. And, and it happened with uh, Kramer. Uh, you know, and again, these things happen. Yeah. But now, if you do nothing wrong, it's going to happen. Yep. Oh, right? it's just that. Yeah, it's it's the, the tides of change right. kind of thing. Yes. It's also, you know, you can't people want the next thing. That's what people are enticed by. What's the new version of the Avengers? What's the new version of, right. and you kind of start to see, well, I knew I was in the middle of it going like, I've been so uh, lucky and fortunate and I've worked my balls off to, to mm-hmm. take this moment and stretch it as long as I can. But I also realized when this finally peters a right. bit, that's going to be uh, an opportunity for me to hopefully as a, as a artist, as an entertainer to change as well again and start putting that energy into new I didn't know what that was at the time but I did so know So you know it was acting. I loved acting mm-hmm. and I knew that I was doing a couple of things that were very dif- different from my stand up and also I was emulating the heroes that I loved that did performances that were so uniquely different like Robin Williams yep. doing something that was touching or heartfelt or vulnerable mm-hmm. showing I never got to show vulnerability in stand up because it's not about that. No. It was about alpha, cool at right. the helm. Right. And so, yeah, I did know I was about to downshift and I was about to do things where it wasn't going to be about me. It was going to be I was a piece of somebody else's puzzle and you could as a writer you could call me and say it's not all you right. but I need you right. to utilize this and and I was I was ready for that. And I wasn't I wasn't resisting it. You did detention at that point. That was one of your earlier No, films, I did right? Mr. Brooks, I did Dan in Real Life. So these so, were huge films. This is not like you jumped into the middle of an ocean. It's like you know, I did a couple of indies, okay, and then I did a couple of movies like you know Mr. Brooks, Brooks, which was considered like it's not a huge film. It's, it's one not of my s- favorite roles of yours. Oh, thank I mean, you. That man. is thank you. Oh, it's fucking. I still think about it with you in the car. yeah. It oh, working, me out. working with Costner and and just uh, everything I learned, just indelible moments with. Uh, with people, you know, Demi Moore and, and William Hurt, and I'm just like, once again, I'm going, oh, I'm I'm like the new kid in Boston, and these are like Kevin Knox and Steve Sweeney, and I'm going to learn now about this tier, about producing and directing and this world, which I want to actually start to move towards because, mm-hmm. permission to speak freely, yeah. I had fucking done everything in stand-up you could ever yeah. want to do. That's it. I wasn't in the business of, as I told you, I don't want to repeat it, but I do want to take it in a new into a new realm. Uh, into a new you know atmosphere yeah. so it was the beginning of more acting and probably easing off the stand-up just a, a, a touch and then listen I, I, just because it's you and i i, I kind of have to because it's like you talk about this moment of you know okay so you knew you know the, the special's out you, you know this thing is you know going to be coming to an end you're, you're starting to say how well can no I? no can i just add yeah, one please, thing please i i did here's what i knew i knew that i was having a a, a long run uh, based on other careers and things that I'd seen, mm-hmm. but I also knew that when the HBO special aired, that I'm gonna have to get I'm gonna have to get on another one of these pretty quick. Um, I'm gonna have to kind of right. try to get into the system where I really had the understanding that it was the end of maybe an era or a moment for me. Was Chris Albrecht gets asked to leave HBO or whatever happened there, and when the new people come in and we call them and say we're ready to do the follow up, this is like seven or eight months later, mm-hmm. they were like new regime. We're going to go in a different direction. And that was when I said, 
even though this was hugely successful and nobody's ever seen a special that's looked like this, that's when it sunk in. The universe is telling me, yo, buddy, time for something new. You're not going to keep this. This train isn't the same. going to be the same. So I knew. I knew. I kind of was like, all right, I don't know where I'm going to go next or what hmm. I will be in my stand-up career, but it was it was the beginning of something yeah. brand new. But do you see the trend, which is so interesting with you, is that in the 90s, it was that you know decade of crap, right. you know, this wretched decade, and you were learning in that decade, right? And you're in this transitional decade. And right. then the zeros come, and then... You, first half of the zeros you're in this thing where and everyone in the 90s is like that train sailed that train you know uh, yeah. you know that train whatever. oh yeah the comedy album is dead it'll never come back yeah you're not going to get the sitcom no record deal. deals right that's when you walked into it now you're at the height of your career the zenith and now you're in another one of these transitional phases in our business absolutely okay. in 2009 mm -hmm. i'm i'm starting to like realize okay you know what i've toured 150 arenas I've, I've, um, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I put a, a nest egg. I'm looking at opening my own independent film business, That's... and then I'm going to get hit with mm -hmm. the brother stuff, yeah. which I have talked about probably at, at nauseum. So yes, it, yeah, we can. We but the but the long thing, story yes. short was now I was getting hit with, um, you know, my, my my parents getting sick, both my mom and dad passing cancer too soon, losing them. Uh, this thing with my brother where. Just for people who don't know, yes. he was my business manager. He was taking care of my money, but he was not a good guy. And I had to put him in half jail. Brother. My half brother. Right. And I do, I use that because, you know. Yeah. It, it's I like, thought of him as my brother. I still well, say my brother because I didn't think of it any other way at the time. Um, I loved him like a brother. And so which when. Which is the worst. And, and again, I know this is like, it's, it's confusing when people are hearing this who maybe don't know the story. You can find it. I have talked about it in other places, but the, the foundation of it is. I had to, my whole life changed. What I thought I had, I didn't. Danny it was the, put away a lot of money for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. And, and but I put it away money. in his bank account, <laughs> apparently. He was letting his brother yeah. handle his funds, and yes. you basically woke up one day to find out all your money's gone. Everything that I thought I'd earned was not in my possession. So you, did whether you have no money left? I had very little money left. I certainly was in no position to do anything other than do some comedy gigs to try to reclaim. Um, and but to that, this day, you've never recovered anything, right? That, not that. Nothing. Right. No, and you know what? Immediately, I didn't want that money back. My. It was funny because huh. in the months after he was put in jail, my um, I, realizing I'm in this moment where it's like, no, oh, I'm, I'm coming. I'm. I've already. I'm coming down the other side <laughs> of. Wow. I, it's going to be years to build up whatever the Fuck. next. So here I am coming down, and I'm going. Okay, I'm going to see him in court in one year. The trial was set for a year from the moment where I finally uh, picked myself up off the floor in a fucking puddle. And I was like, I got one year to walk into a courtroom in better shape than I am right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took the little bit of money that I had left. I had some stock money put aside that he couldn't take because you can't just yeah. pull stock stuff out. Thank God. And I took a few hundred thousand dollars and I invested in myself and I just started investing in my own um, uh, arenas. I was renting arenas every night. Wow. With my own money. And then a month later, I would go, how much did I make? Oh, I made $2 million. Okay, take 500000 rent 10 more arenas. And I was renting them like halls on off nights where there wasn't a basketball or a hockey game. And by the end of that year, I walked into court with a brand new Dolce Gabbana suit on. Huh. And I looked at him with everything he had stolen, I had made back in one year. And I said in my I'm fist bumping Dan right <laughs> And I said in my impact letter to him and to the court, I said, you can steal whatever you want from me. And you did, but you'll never take what's in here. Huh. You'll never get it. Fuck. 
That's it. And you've never spoken to him since? I've never spoken to him since. I'm actually very, very close with his son, my nephew. Uh, I love him, Cody. Yeah, sins of the father. And no. so, yeah. So no. it's like it hasn't affected uh, only one person, actually, I feel like ultimately got affected. That's him. Yep. What he did to himself it's he lost out on the greatest ride. You know he wants to be on this ride. Yeah, of course. It, this is a, an amazing. You know, it's interesting. Just like you say, you want to involve your career every time and do something different, even with your money. Same thing. You're like, I'm going to evolve how I'm going to make this money. Then, yeah, so in the same way, I'm not going to do it the same way because fuck that. This just didn't work yeah. out. But look I'm at the choose, timing. I'm going to do it a different way. But what happened there so was that year ends. I go to court, and what what happens is this is a this is a year that speaks to who I am sitting with you right now because every person that sat in a seat to watch me during that tour in the in the worst um, financial crisis our country had fucking experienced in what 80 years or whatever it was people, Sachs, people were filling a, people were filling arenas to, to come see me in this year that that uh, I knew that people were suffering everywhere and I'd come out I'd do the encore put my hand on my heart I would say it mean thank you so much for being here it means the world to me that you're here meant it very deeply and it was from that tour and in, in, in feeling like I was kind of uh, I'd been capsized and was drowning and suddenly I was back on the boat and I was okay and right then and there that year ended paid off all my taxes got everything worked out did the court stuff and said I'm never going to do anything ever ever for the rest of my career that isn't fucking greatness I don't do good anymore man <laughs> people ask me to do good all that you want to do this good thing I no, no. I, I want to do something great because my fans, if they're going to pay a dollar to see me, they're going to see something fucking great. They don't have to love it. Maybe not everybody's always going to gel with it, but I'm never giving something back that I don't know people go, man, he put everything into that. That's it. But the fans mm, are who saved you. I mean, really, again, and you saved yourself because totally. you have the talent, but if you look at it, you But they went, showed up. Yes. They showed up in your worst time. Yeah. In this they worst showed up crisis. and also like, hey, but we're also on to the next guy or girl. And there's right. other funny people. And by the way, they're, that yeah. per- next person should be right. they're lauded. 100%. And you get, I was doing it. I was already looking at the funny people behind me going, I did it. This person. But look, even when you did Torgasm, I mean, and Jay Davis and, and all these yeah. people, you, these are all legs up. These yeah. are all things that- I shared my, yes, wherever I could, documentaries lot. or whatever. I always tried to- um, Shed light on other uh, performers around me, and Which, now as a, as the old bull, mm-hmm. uh, you know, grayer in the beard, mostly gray. Uh, I it's actually more exciting because now when I sit and I mentor, uh, whether it's young comedians or just artists, people I know, or not people that are even just entrepreneurial, right? I find myself pleased that uh, that my failures are even actually interesting enough to talk about here because it's informing somebody to maybe potentially avoid one, you know sidestep that could you know really cause uh the end of a heartbreaking yeah because not everybody is fortunate enough to have a bounce back moment so why not help somebody to try to um alleviate some of that by clearing the path going these are Mm -hmm. the things i did that work you may not use all of them you may not use any but these are the things i did that were fucked up or i fucked up or somebody did something fucked up to me i'm going to try to share those as well so it's it's kind of cool because now i'm at a better vantage point life-wise Oh, yeah. And and it's funny how everything seems to, you know, kind of fall, I guess I want to say back into place, you know, yeah. even though you know, it's a pretty great life. Right? Nothing nothing All is things. ever falling apart. Right. And that's nothing really interesting Nothing is ever to actually say. falling apart. Right. Things are falling together constantly. Well, you and go through all this. we believe, 
I'm suffering right now because of, and we put these things on ourselves. and I've done this. You tell yourself you're suffering. That's why you're suffering. Yeah. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's only because we're telling our subconscious we're suffering. Right. So you need to tell yourself, Right. wait, what am I learning? This is teaching me something. And how is this going into my art and my act and what have you? Sure. So I just want to jump for a second back to the idea that now, you know, the money's gone and you're acting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're acting. You do the, you do the arena tour. Yeah. And- you're a year later, you're back in court, you have your money, you got your suit, at least, you know, to the degree where you're, okay, I'm all right. Yeah. So now you start this this path of directing, of writing, correct? You've done the pilots, you've done the big movies. Right. You've been there. You know, you've right. had this money thrown had, at you from I've different I've had directions. so many no's said, yes. as you know, and it's not, I don't call it show business, I call it no business. Because that's I what years know. know. That, but that's great. Yeah, so I'm in no business for a long time, and I'm realizing, wow, the only yeses are the ones that I create myself. And if I want to build out my, I don't know, my my creative life, right. I need to start uh, linking arms with other people that are smarter than me, mm-hmm. or other people that are uh, more tenacious than me, mm-hmm. uh, or with me, and then start working on new ideas together. And that's where really a lot of the last kind of decade has, has been. And you did this short film called American Typecast, yeah. which I am in love with. And Jason, you're going to watch it. I can't wait. I'm, yeah. I'm still, now I'm a oh, little upset that you let me see it. I, he, he is a password. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't fuck around. Dane says something. I'm just it's like, I'm just going to, yeah, it's like it's a password on Vimeo. I'm not telling anyone. I'm just going to watch yeah. it. it. But he, it you is. Can, you can send it to him and I would right. yes. appreciate thank, it if you watch it. Thank you, Dane. Yeah. Yeah. See, twice now, Dane. Got my back. Dane's the man. I'm Typing an asshole. and this, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey That's... Cliff, can I watch the short film? No. No, there's a password. It's a password. Vimeo password, dude. I'm sorry, I just can't get the password out, man. It it's is like, fucking excluded again. Really Fine. good. Oh, so thank it's you. Dane not in a lead role. He, he co-writes this with with uh, Moni Babat, who is also happen? my lead actor in it. Oh, I did not realize that your lead actor. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Your lead is unbelievable, by the way. He is really, really great, really talented guy. So we were, you know, we've been friends for many years. And we how'd you meet the, him? Uh, man, I met him uh, through a mutual friend, and then we were working out together, and just kind of like both sports guys. Guy's pretty fucking shredded. It's kind of annoying, dude. Even yeah. more, even more so now. The guy's like yeah, a, guy could be like special forces in waiting. Yeah, yeah it's really. It's, it's, I'm just looking at pictures, trying to figure out who it is. Just by his chin, yeah, you, you can tell he has see, abs, oh, right? This guy is that's fucking not even yeah, that's zero percent. Like, that's him guy. out of shape in that picture. <laughs> yeah, if you go to his Instagram, you're just gonna go fuck you. Yeah, he's like the him. Middle Eastern Frank Grilla. I mean, so he really is. He, he's fucking shredded, shredded. but but it, so talented, but super talented. And him and I were, you know, kind of trading stories. I was trading like, this is what it's like to be a white dude right now in Hollywood, and he was like, this is what it's like to be Middle Eastern actor. And as we were talking about stories and what the the short for people wondering what American Typecast is about is, he was sharing his experience at being. Um, you know, st- stereotyped as this is what Middle Eastern actors are in most things. What are they doing? They're blowing up a fucking helicopter in NCSI, or they're the bad guy with the bomb, and they're yelling some weird thing and making a sound, bah, 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 whatever they're doing. <laughs> and and we felt like, oh man, it was just so, um, it just felt so shallow. And, it, mm-hmm. and knowing him and, and having other friends, by the way, comedians and, and, f- and being friends with tons of people that were mm-hmm. so outside of what, you know, mainstream Hollywood typically was for a lot of years. He was sharing stories with me, and I was like, why don't we do a day in the life of what it is for you to be going into all these scenes, to be going into these um, auditions, um, but let's tell the story in an, in an interesting way, in an entertaining way, by having this third act hook, which I came up with, and I don't want to give it away, because no. the short, um, and uh, lo and behold, we have a year where we get into 
all these different um, Academy Award uh, eligible film festivals only to make it into the Academy Award uh, eligibility, only to be told that we are now in the December round for short films, which means that we're probably one of a couple of dozen films that are, that in, consideration. are in, in consideration. Wow. So anyone I know is listening to this who's on the Academy, <laughs> please Gail, watch it. Gail and Heard, I'm talking to you. Uh, please vote for this. It, I, I love this movie. It's uh, Seth thanks, Green. It's Do they have the password? Uh, yeah, I'm okay, gonna give it good. to you. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I wanna, wait, we gotta find this one. Okay, so I'm gonna set this up. So Seth Green is this casting director that, I mean, I wish every casting director was like Seth. I mean, yeah. what a great performance. Oh, so good. Do you, so I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, because I just love the movie. So so he, the lead, yes. Mo, 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 you just call Mo. Mo. So Mo goes in, for this audition, which, you know, he needs it. And right. He, you know, there's a hundred other guys out there. You know, He's oh. going in for another one of these kind of like, uh, you know, I'm the bad guy who's yes. going to, you know, it's, you know, same old, same old. Yeah, the, 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 the terrorist role. And again, exactly. It's exactly. what we had in the 80s. I, I had a mentor, uh, I've had a couple of mentors. One of them was John Millius, who wrote Apocalypse Now. And, you know, I, we've talked about this, but John would always say in the 80s, it was Russia. That was our uniformed bad guy. We That's could say right. anybody was Russian and, you know, Red Dawn, it didn't matter. That's right. We're fucking killing you. Yes. And everyone was We must green. break yes, you. Yes, we must. Right, exactly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so now we have the Middle East yeah. and it's not going anywhere. And you hear it when I'm in studio meetings, it, it, whether it's network or movie level, it, it's this is the bad guy. We can do a Middle Eastern bad guy, overall Middle Eastern. That's right. So you get this idea of, okay, Let's do this. Now, he's coming in on this role that he needs and he doesn't want to do. He wanted to be Brad Pitt. He's an American. He was born here. Yeah, he just wants to be more versatile and he's being, you know, p kind of put in the same box. And so he's going in the scene that you're about to play is he goes into Seth Green and Seth's kind of like uh, overnoting him on what he's supposed to be doing in this in this room. Yes, very much so. So he gets called in. And by the way, there's 100 actors that are getting seen. It's two hours later right. when he gets called in. So I'm going to I'm going to play this. Hi, I'm Malik Khan. I'm reading for the role of Amir. <clears throat> All right, whenever you're ready. Go. Go. Take your own cue. Yeah, just start when you're ready. To ficker make any key na barda bordi. I'm a wachti janga bachti. I'm sorry. Uh, is it okay if I start over there or something with the camera? Yeah. Relax. Okay. Let it come to you. Okay. Start when you're ready. Sorry. <clears throat> To figure make any key in a bar the bordy. I'm wacht, you jungle bochty. But a but a be solid. Mm. Hey, you know what? Just do it in uh, English. English. Okay. Relax, let the, it come to you. This part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll still get the emotion. Yeah. Alright? Mm -hmm. A lot of distractions on set, you know. Yeah. Go when you're ready. You think you have won this battle, but you have already lost the war. For 20 years, your... Your people have been coming with their guns. Your people have been coming with their guns. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I practiced that part in Farsi. And now, it's like, <laughs> now in English, it's just... No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, stop, 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 stop. Just to... You know what? Just do the last part, okay? Uh -huh. So just the last part that's in English. Oh, the, you know what I mean? the, Monologue? The, the, the important stuff. Yeah, the important stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah. just do that. Mm -hmm. Just like you did it on the tape. Yeah. On the... Self-tape? Yeah, self on the self-tape. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Okay. The, the intensity, energy, connect to this character. All right? 
You can do it. Yeah, this is gonna make it Here we go. <clears throat> Whenever you're ready. Just like the tape. Gotcha. Okay. Here we go. Tape was great. 20 years, I said. Your people have been coming with your, their bombs and their tanks and their drones. <coughs> but we are still here and That's we okay. always will. Yeah, no, no, we got it. So, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, do you want me to try it one more time? Just like a different choice. I, I practiced it a few different ways. I, I, I just don't know why. No. Are you sure? Because I, I really know I can do this. Unequivocally. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks a lot. This is part of the second act. And basically, the, what we're leading up to with this is a very interesting kind of uh, turn. Um, and people keep asking where they can see it. Uh, we can't. We can't obviously show it until after whatever happens with this, you know, kind mm -hmm. of pipe dream run of eligibility or qualification with well, the Academy I'm Awards. To... No. There's no pipe dream. Let's no. not, we're not saying that. After what happens with yeah. you being in the last fucking round mm. of voting for best short film. I wouldn't mind that. Right. So let's in, continue. In a, in a life of, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in this space now. Yeah. I, that would be, um, and yet I find myself telling, you know, Mo and the rest of my um, casting crew, like, this is the moment that we enjoy. We made something. People right. are talking about it. If we get the deus es machina coming down and fucking opening up the whole world to an, Great. If Wouldn't not, be the first time it happened to you. Well, we're gonna keep making these, and now my my we formed a company, Mo and I. I have a separate company. What's it called? Well, we're Duffel Bag Entertainment, hmm. like and that. um and so we're working on our uh, film follow up to this, and and really honestly with this, we just we built out our crew. I finally have Ivan Rodriguez uh, is my DP on this, and it looks. I have to stop. Fucking this beautiful. thing looks. Okay, that's what I. Was, I mean, yeah. you saying it is one thing. I, I want to say it. This thing really looks. Thanks, like man. a you know a ten million dollar movie. You know, hearing for this from minutes. this guy is yeah. like, dude, that's and in fifteen I love minutes, it. you fucking pulled emotion for me. I, I cried at the end. I told, I texted you right after I went. I, yeah, I, I, I got, like it really got me. Like finding out later. I can't, yeah, you can't. I can't we even can't. say anything. We get it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up. You didn't get the password. So I'm not being that like coy. Let me you do my impersonation. Let me, be, let me do my my Jason impersonation. <laughs> once you text him the password, right? This is all you're gonna hear. <laughs> You're gonna hear five keyboard strokes. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Where can they see it? We're gonna put it online as soon as we're uh, able to. They're just asking us right now to not. Do you have an idea like when? Uh, I guess by January is yeah. when everything kind of is like I don't know announced. Okay. So if we're if we're in the mix, then you'll see it, and if we're not in the mix, then you're gonna see it. But you can't show it while you're in the mix, is right? What you asking. Yeah, yeah. They ask you to keep it off offline while it's still in qualification. So if it leaked, you could be out of qualification. If it no, because that, that wouldn't obviously that wouldn't be from me. But we can't go and post it somewhere and say, hey, go check it out at at this point. Right. So, but so that's you just sit and wait. We're we're waiting, but but I will say we've we've had an opportunity to sit and watch you know maybe a hundred other short films being in other festivals mm -hmm. with other you know people that are either people we 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 know or people that have you know already had illustrious careers, people that are coming up the ranks you know with us, and that whole year of experience has uh, it's something I want to like sit and pick your brain about because Anytime. I I feel like what I've garnered with what I. What I'm feeling confident enough, mm -hmm. coupled with your experience yep. and some other people that I want to, I want to move forward in this next year in the in the, in the filmmaking to to get a little feedback. I, I'm I'm this is a, I'm still new in a lot of this, and so I need some Doesn't help. Look like it. 
by the way, which is really nice. And, I, and I, I appreciate I'd that, like man. To, we're going to talk after you yeah, watch absolutely. it. I appreciate it. The emotion, 15 minutes, it's yeah. not something where I feel like I would have emotion. And yet, right. you know, the thing about the dad, I'm not saying anything else. Yeah, yeah. And the way you, again, it's that, and I love that you did this. It's the it's the iceberg theory, which we've talked about it, Hemingway, you know, and what I used in Warrior is that we can only tell you a little bit. Right. And you'll figure, you'll piecemeal the rest together. And then you give us a little more at the end where you're sure. like, fuck, that's why. Right. And it's like, but it's still just enough to be like, all right, through the whole movie, I right. can attach my own shit to it. Whenever you can deliver uh, a story that has, uh, I said to Mo when we first went up, day one, I said, we want two things in this. I go, first of all, we want to tell a complete three act story in 15 minutes. A lot of shorts, Check. even as good as they are, sometimes you go like, Oh, that was a slice of life, but what was that really about? Or like, it was more of just one note, but beautiful. But I was like, I want to tell a story. The same way I have a routine, and in that 10-minute piece of material is a beginning, a middle, and end. I said, but we want heart and humor. If we can make people laugh during this, but without being political... This is a pl- it's a political idea. It's like, hey, listen, oh, this yeah. is people are right. being maligned and put into these categories that are fucking so long-in-the-tooth old ridiculous... Passe, and yet it's still happening every day. If we can do that without saying what I just said and making it like, but make it entertaining, when you take ownership over the things that have had ownership over you, when you do that and you put humor in it, you you got it. You own it. point, Vin Diesel. You know how he was discovered? Multi-ethnic. Typecast. That was the name of his short. Multi-ethnic. You're the only person who's... I said to Mo on day one, I go, dude, we have the opportunity. I go, Vin did this thing. During his era coming up, yep. and it put him on the map, and I said, and now here we are telling your story, and we're telling it in, a, in an entertaining way. He did so, multi-ethnic, and then yeah. he wouldn't leave Ted Fields alone, and Ted uh, put him in pitch black. I love that you know that. Yeah, and, and multi-ethnic was at a moment where it was like The Rock, Vin Diesel, wh- yeah. what are you? Oh are you black? God. Are you white? Are you Indian? Are you Native American? What, I love what that, exactly dude. are you? It makes me feel so good that you know that, because not a lot of people know that. That was that short, and yeah. what that meant to him, and... So oh, it's th- brilliant. This it's whole where moment, you really knew he could act, uh, you know. And it's great. the same thing with Mo. When I watch this, and when I see what you did with the directing, and it's like, you did that shot on your Twitter. <laughs> it's just with the drone, where you just were like, I'm just fucking around directing with the drone. Shot. Oh yeah. And I'm like, okay, this fucking guy can direct. Like, what else can you do? And you told this story so neatly in 15 minutes, and I give a fuck about this guy. And by the way, something to be said about Mo. The hardest thing I find to do as an actor, you know, to get out of an actor, is to act bad i'm not using the right grammar convincingly right you know to be a poor actor in a yes. convincing manner and then still be a great actor yeah that's what mo accomplished here yeah. in his performance in, in that scene that yeah. you, you shared yeah. yeah because the later when and i can't because there is a surprise ending but we give we give credit to also um seth green in that who you mm. heard play the casting director because what he offered there um in watching two actors give and take was he built the tension out to make it even harder to watch this guy going through what's happening in the room. And when you have that yeah. coupled moment, I think it makes the payoff from Act Three. You're rooting for him even more, much more you know? so. And and then finding out about the dad and what have you. Yeah. And it's like, and that's why I chose not to show your scene and to show that scene because sure. Dane has a wonderful scene where he actually is the Yoda, you know, at that end of oh, Act we have, Two yeah. moment. Well, that's what it is. It's the end right. of Act Two. Really, yes. it's this Yoda moment where it's like, this is what you can do, this is what it is, and this is what the business is. I'm not going to say anything more. Sure. And it's a wonderful scene, but why I didn't show that scene is because the Seth Green scene in that moment yeah. is so fucking tragic and awful. It's like, when you see it, and you see the ending, then 
you'll really be like, yeah. okay. I can't wait for, for more people to see it. And the fact that anybody's seeing it is is such a, uh, I don't say blessing often, but it really feels that way. What'd you so, shoot it for? How much? Can I ask? Yeah. Uh, Mo and I both uh, kicked in 35 grand each. And then I think I put like 10 more into some of the post stuff. So $80,000. And by the way, it's not like Mo thinks he's getting that money back. It's like you said, oh, yeah, you get no. the money back later. Yeah. Mo's like, dude, I, I he's like, dude, I, I know I'm probably never going to see this. I go, but listen, man. Like I said, I go, the profit is exposure. Right. You know, you just want to see people know, people know by watching it that like you're the real deal. You're coming into work and you want to take this old preconceived notion of what it is to be a Middle Eastern actor. He's a kid from Sacramento for Christ's sakes. And so we, we hit all those, uh, we hit all those beats and the, the comedian in me 30 years, I watch it and it's, it's, it's drama and comedy, but I just look and go. It's it's da 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 boom and then a couple and then that last end credit beat mm-hmm. you go heart and humor we we nailed it yes you know especially the after credit sure the end credit roll and there's this you know yeah. after sort of epilogue yep. story but here here's we'll talk I'm more at. about it when people can actually because people are like at this point like <laughs> yep. shut the fuck up where is it <laughs> <laughs> okay and we are gonna shut we'll get there no we're gonna shut the fuck up but let's talk about the dad. <laughs> fuck off, Jason. But, but yes, you're right. And fuck off. Here's the thing. It, okay, so people have to see it. Uh, I'm going to end with this. Okay. Why, at this point, after you've done all of these things that we discussed for the last few hours, why do you decide with Mo, out of everything you could have done, you can put your own money into anything you want, is this the one you're going to do? I think that what I responded to most was... Not only telling somebody else's story, like I said, sharing that spotlight and going, okay, I can, I, I can, um, I can direct this, I can produce this, I can, I can be a part of a team in a lot of different facets, but it's also I'm putting this guy at the center of it, um, and that meant a lot to me because I could see that he's put in the time, effort, and energy so many years struggling in this town. Yeah, it was like, oh, I can use a little bit of my leeway. And hopefully to validate what gear, he's doing, gear him up and, and and listen, man, like, again, permission to speak freely. Please. This whole fucking town is like when you do that, when you help other people open up doors, you're also providing an opportunity that they might turn once they're in the door and go, oh, there's something else in here that will you help me with now? And we're in the business of wanting yes. to keep being reelected in our roles. We are not we don't deserve anything because of what you made. The funny joke you told yesterday matters not to the next crowd sitting there the next night. They don't give a fuck that you were funny yesterday. And they give a fuck right now. We just sat. We paid the valet, a babysitter. This whole night's costing us a few hundred bucks. I don't care if you were funny for 29 years, motherfucker. Be fucking funny right now. And that's what I want to do. I want to... I want to tell stories in different ways. So why? Yes. Different story, different way. I'm learning more. Short film was a good way to kind of get my feet wet. Now I'm building a team. We've got our little Justice League that's building, and we look forward to following this up. Okay, so do you see the similarity, though? It's it's the Middle Eastern thing. Might as well be Dane Cook at the, you know, the saturation. It's like, who's Dane Cook? Get me Dane Cook. Who's Dane Cook? I understood the right. story, even though right. I, I, I wouldn't know his experience except through the friendship. It was different enough, but at the same time, I was like, yo, man. I know what it is to be underestimated. I certainly know what it is to be, um, you know, cast out. I know what it is to be oversaturated. Right. I know what it is to be the underdog, and then I know what it is to be the top dog. And so, let's put all that in there, and let me pull a performance out of you that I don't think anybody is. Well, I knew nobody had seen him do yet. Mm. So we we got it. We have a little piece of something we're so proud of. 
And now what do you want to do with the company, with Duffel Bag Entertainment? What's so the, so Duffel Bag, we're, we're working on a film. So we've written a film that actually we've structured a film. And then I've just finished a film that I've been writing for the last two years on my own. That is something that I'm going to direct and star in, um, oh, which is uh, kind of a like two to three million independent, something that I'm just going to have to roll up my sleeves and figure out how to. You know, gamble on myself and get it done. But I'm doing the same thing right now. So off air, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. don't doing the same exact thing. Well, I I could use some info. <laughs> well, no, I'm gonna we'll uh, great, talk about. All I, I know good people. You know great people. Yes. I, I know great people. Yes. But it's like um, it, it'll be the first time I'm doing the full the full length. You know, and doing it all on my own. So yeah, I have a lot of questions. Okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll set a time. Another here. podcast without the podcast. Yes. We'll hopefully, and we'll just be sit and, and talk about all this. Yeah, I, I mean, this has been Jason. You have anything you want to ask, yeah, Dan, before we go? I, I mean, I don't have anything I want to ask. I do want to say that, like, you are part of like I don't know how to better say this, but like part of the love language between me and my friends, the comedy that you do, mm. the stories that you told are still part of that um, through college and through life, and I really just appreciate that, wow. and I'm real grateful for this. That is awesome, man. I, you know, doing the shows this year, um, a lot. Of, you know, I've grown up with a generation of comedy fans now. Mm-hmm. So the guys that I was when I was college age entertaining, now they're coming with their kids. And what's really um, wonderful about this hitting thirty years in twenty twenty is, mm-hmm. I, I do meet and greets every night. I meet seventy five to one hundred people every single night, and I take way too much time to talk to everybody, which drives my team crazy. But I really want to know people, and I always ask one question: like, when did we first meet? When did you first jump on the Dane train? How long have we been? And eight out of ten people on the meet and greets, eight out of ten this whole year said, "This is my first time seeing you." Oh wow, that was not eight what out I was of expecting. ten. This is my first time. It was either a couple of people, two or three people saying, "I've seen you nineteen times," and I was there at this day that. And I was like, midway through the tour, I'm like, this is crazy. So I started asking more questions. Oh, I was 10 when uh, Employee of the Month came out. So now I'm old enough, I can come see the show. So weirdly, where I feel like I'm at right now with all this stuff is kind of where I felt like I was in 2000. But I'm the old bull, and I've got more information. And all those tools that I lacked when I kind of first got Hmm. that breakthrough moment, I'm enjoying it more. I'm the whole process. I'm enjoying it more. I feel fortunate that I have now fans that are bringing new fans. And I think this is the beginning of a very interesting kind of decade ahead. um, That'll be even more fulfilling because I'm not in the midst of comedy and tragedy hitting an upper echelon that I wasn't, didn't have a playbook and felt very lonely. Even in that a story for another day, hard to be successful and nobody around you really knows what that is. And You're already a lonely kid. Now you're a lonely superstar. Yeah. And then you lose people in your life and all these things. Life happens to all of us, but life happened to me in that moment. But this time around, Mm. I'm not having to deal with the strife and the trauma and some of the sadness. So I'm enjoying every, this conversation means as much to me as being on the set and making that or doing the tour this year or Mm. the comedy special I'm going to do next or it's just all more pulp in the entire thing. And I, I appreciate you having me into these are my favorite conversations. I don't often get to do these Mine in podcasts. Too. We're always talking comedy or busting mm-hmm. balls, right. hazing each other and fun and funny. But uh, for me, I felt like this was something I was hoping to do with you. So I appreciate yes. you for having me in. To me, this is I appreciate the, you too as thank well. Thank you, you Jason, for saying that. These are the artists I always want to be around and, and have on. And uh, I can't. Thank you enough, Dan. Oh, really, you this has been... Hopefully first of many. Yes, yeah. absolutely wonderful. Thank absolutely. you, Dan. You got it. Thank you. Jason, thank you. Thank you. I mean, we're done, right? That's That was... Okay, so that was... What? what, what? Oh, no, it was just awesome. Please. It was really great. I mean, that, that, that second half, I mean, what's in... 
interesting for me with this is like, you know, I kind of knew up until the point. Like there's a there was a line that I didn't right. know anything past, you know, and that that came about with the brother stuff. Yep. Um, but to, to 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 understand that a little bit better and just to, to understand a little bit more what he's been doing since then, it's incredible. It really is. And and you know, with now this this short, this American typecast, right? That him and Mo wrote and he directed. That is, um, it will be coming out soon. But it, it has to. You know, uh, we're gonna find out. I really can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, I don't have to wait to see it. Okay. Um, all I need <laughs> oh, is the passcode. Um, and then I could see it and then, oh, but um, I I'll have to take believe... your word on it. Oh, I'm such a fucking dick. So since the last time when you heard, I would, I, I'm a dick. I'm a dick. <laughs> I have not get, Jason, I'll be doing this as soon as we're off. I, I just, since the phone went off in the last segment, I didn't bring my phone in now. I'd be doing it right now. <laughs> other than now I've, I've prohibited my phone in the studio. So I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a dick. Oh, I, I forgive Self-absorbed, you. Self-absorbed, I mean, narcissistic, you, you, you sociopathic. Did... No, what? Oh, you're not a dick for that. You guys are dicks because after the after the interview was over, you guys still kept talking about all the different things that happened in the in the in the film. What do we after say? the fact and go? Oh, hey, Jason. By the way, we're going to talk about this. We'll try not to give away with anything. But if you don't want to hear it, go out of the room. No spoilers. What did <laughs> no we spoilers. say? What did we say? What did we say about about the 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 essence of our show? That fuck you. Be be the educated be consumer. Yes, yes. So you know what, Jason? Works for me too. Yeah, I'll send you. Fuck yes, right. There's no. There's no, uh, you know, above the law. Just to be clear. Uh, that being said, I did fuck up, and uh, I have to own when I fuck oh, up. No I'm worries. gonna, you know, don't say no worries. There's a little worry. I, it's okay. I, I am worried. I'm not gonna ever get to see it, but I, I will see it. I will see it. I'll, I'll... You will have a fucking link and a fuck you. You'll have it today. I, I'm saying fuck you. That's what happens in LA, by the way. If you drive, yep. it's like someone cuts you off, almost hits your car, and then gives you the finger and goes fuck you, uh-huh. and you're like, oh. Yeah, I swear to so many people. Like I, I wouldn't talk to anybody the way I talk to other drivers in LA. Oh yeah, in but I'm saying the people will do something to you oh, yeah. that really is completely illegal, and then they give you the finger and scream at you. Oh yeah, like you did something oh, for like yes. being in their way. Yesterday, I didn't try and run a no left turn red light. Oh, how mad did the person behind you get? And all, I and they oh they sped oh. up beside me, flipped me off, and then went the whole other direction. Like somehow they were going to get there faster going a whole different way. They were so mad at me. Yeah, they, they changed the entire course of their day to make right. a left just so they could yell at you. Yep. Yeah, I mean, kind of funny. Yep. I know, but not in the moment. No, not in, in the, the moment. No, in the moment I'm like, oh, I can fight again. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll fucking follow them. I'll change the course of my day. Yeah. And then, you know, then it's an emergency room away from, oh, we're yeah. sorry. Yeah. You know, we're really you know, sorry. And we all did it would have taken is somebody just giving me the passcode. Yeah. <laughs> American Typecast coming soon to a uh, laptop near you. This is a fucking tremendous 15-minute film. I-, I can't believe something in 15 minutes made me, uh, you know, feel something other than a, a Zach a, a Snyder, uh, Zach Snyder, yeah, Snyder intro opening credit sequence. Uh, well, I got nothing else. I mean, like I'm kind of talked out, which is a weird thing for me. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, um, download us. Download us on uh, iTunes and iTunes. Spotify yep. and Stitcher and Castbox and Himalaya and on the on your computer and on your phone. The World Wide Web. Teach your mom how to download stuff. It's yes. Christmas. It's not that hard. They shouldn't be afraid yeah. of new technology. You can now download podcasts on your Apple Watch. Yes, do that. And sneak it onto your parents, too, so that when they plug in their phone, all of a sudden they're listening to this. Yeah. 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 They don't sneak know what it, it is. Sneak it onto my mom's podcast. Who's phone? Cliff Dorfman? <laughs> I don't understand. There's a person talking on my phone and there's a comedian? 
Oh, the radio comes out of my phone. I think I misdialed. It's NPR, but it's on my phone. I don't understand. I'm very scared of new things. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are no longer a new thing. All right. Two-parter. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.